Matthew 26, verses 1 through 16. All right. If you need some more aerobic exercise, you may stand as we'll read the passage. If you're plumb tuckered out, you can stay right where you are, okay? Either way. But I'm going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to begin in verse 1. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the place of the high priest whose name was Caiaphas. And they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and to kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant and they said, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for my burial. Truly I say to you, Wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Father, we ask for your Help this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes, God, to see your truth. We ask, God, that with our very actions, Lord, with our singing, with our praise, with our gospel proclamation, with our, our work, God, with our, our raising of children and with our, our loving of spouse, and God, with all that we do, Father, I pray that we might say with our lives that you are worth it, that you are valuable, that you are priceless. Father, we ask that you would put that in us in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. You know, whenever you read a passage of Scripture, do you ever, uh, do you ever just kind of get stuck on one word you know do you ever you ever have a word that just grabs you and, and your imagination just kind of runs wild with it well that's exactly what happened uh to me as i read this passage okay so i'm reading this passage and i'm looking over it and and the word waste did you see that in the text you know after mary does what she does for jesus the disciples have said we're indignant and they say why this waste and that word waste just grab hold of me and, and, and I started thinking about what it means to waste something, right? To waste something is to squander it. It's, it's to, to use it for no benefit, right? How many of us have had opportunities where we were going to do something, we are going to go somewhere, we are going to be a part of something, 
and it just didn't work out, right? And it didn't work out at all, and you left there saying, man, that was a waste, you know? We drove all the way over here. We drove 100 miles to this barbecue place, supposed to be great, and we got there, and it said closed for renovations, right? And it was like, that was a waste, you know? We shouldn't have done it. How many of you ever, and if you haven't ever done this, I would really love to talk to you afterward and tell us your secret, okay? But how many of you ever bought something, and, and it just did not work out to what you thought it was going to be, you know? I mean, you, you thought it was going to do this. You thought it was going to help you in this way, and you got it, and it was, it was just kind of a waste. That's what it means to be, to have something or to waste something. And, and we might even say there are times where we've wasted our energy and even wasted our life. Now, here's something interesting about waste. It's subjective, okay? So, so you have one person that would say, that's a waste. Another person that would say, that is awesome, okay? It's the reason garage sales work, right? Isn't that why garage sales work, you know? You got one person saying this is trash. You got another person saying this is treasure, right? I mean, it's subjective. So we all have inside of us this kind of sliding value scale. I happen to be born on the kind of the, the, the before side of the video game revolution, all right? Um, the only video game I've ever really played was my brother got an Atari uh, when he was about seven or eight or nine. They were just coming out. I was older at that point. And, and we got the game Frogger, okay? So I, I tried Frogger, and my brother played Frogger, like, incessantly, okay? And it just annoyed me. I mean, just the noise of it annoyed me. I'm kind of an outside guy. That I mean, just everything about it. And so I just ne- I never got hooked, right? And so for me, video games, they're... They're kind of a waste, okay, for me, all right? I don't find a lot of value in them. I, I, I don't get excited about them. Uh, I don't connect, they don't help me connect. So that, that's just me, okay? Now, here's what's true. The majority of males ages 8 to 35 in America would say, you are wrong, Pastor Jason, you know? And they would also tell me they've improved since Frogger, right? Like, like they've gotten a lot better. That's, I know that's what they would tell me. And, and, and I know a lot of guys would say, this is how I connect with other guys. This is a, it's an outlet for me. It's, it's refreshing for me. I, I, it's restful to me. I, I, I enjoy it, right? Just in the same way that when I talk to them about, hey, come mountain biking with me. You know, you know what the common response is when I, I ask a guy to come mountain biking, they say, now you know they make those with engines now, don't you? You know, like, you're telling me you, for an hour you're going to go pedal, you're going to start out at the gate, and you're going to pedal through canyons for an hour, you know, wrecking and getting in cactus and stickers, and, and we're going to end up oh, at the gate, at the same place you started, right? And, and to them, it's a waste, okay? You know why? Because we all have this differing inside of us about what's a waste and what's worthwhile. I was thinking about this the other day. Someone was criticizing the look of my car. And, and, and I got to thinking, I thought it's kind of funny that I, I think washing the dishes is really important. Like so much so that it's, it's hard for me to walk past our sink if there's dishes in it. Like I, even if I'm in a hurry, I have a compulsion to want to clean them up and get them in the dishwasher or just wash them even better, dry them and put them away. Like I like to have a clean day. And, and, and my argument for that is this. I, I feel like there's consequences for not, have, not washing your dishes, right? I don't know if you've ever gone and, Extended period without washing your dishes, things start to stink, okay? I mean, it starts to, your kitchen starts to smell bad. And even worse than that, there's no place to put stuff. You know, my kids are experts at building the Eiffel Tower in the sink, okay? I mean, they just, they like keep stacking. You know, I'll get home and I'm like, man, I so appreciate that. How am I going to do the dishes when there's, don't that irritate any of you do dishes? Man, that irritates me. So, so there's value to me in washing dishes, okay? Now, there, 
Here's what I would say. If you would have just asked me a week ago before I'd had a chance to think about this, I would have said there's value in washing your car. Like I would have said, but I, I realized I'd be a hypocrite because I don't hardly ever do it, you know? And, and you, you can't say what you say with your mouth is valuable. You have to actually say, what do I, how do I live? And the reality is I don't wash my car very much. Now, here's what I would justify to you. There's not very many consequences for not washing your car. In fact, I would say there's benefits. I'm convinced of this. I, I can't prove this to you, but I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that there are days where some guy in the oil field has had a terrible day. Like, just everything's gone wrong. His boss chewed him out. He, he failed on a well. I mean, he just, he just had a terrible day, and he's driving home, and he's got all this angst inside of him, and, you know, he's probably going to blow up on his kids. He's probably going to be mean to his wife, and he pulls up beside me at a stoplight, and he looks out, and he's like, that guy's got bird poop all over his roof, you know? And all of a sudden, he feels better about his life. Like he looks at his truck and it's shiny and waxed and he's got the inside of a, and I kind of believe he takes off from that stoplight and he's like, huh, I'm gonna play ball with the boys tonight, you know, and I can't wait to see my wife. He gets home, he swoops up his wife, kisses her, said, honey, we got a good life, you know, things get, I help people by not washing my car, Okay. So dishes, big value to me, okay? Washing your car doesn't have that much value. Now, you could change that. Now, listen, listen. Here, here's, here's what I hope happens today in the sermon. I hope to change your value scale. And, and, and honestly, that could happen with all of us, right? Like, you, you could come up to me afterward and, and don't lie about this, okay? But if you did, if you came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Jason, I know three people that have wanted to come to our church, but they saw the bird poop on the top of your car, and they're like, that guy doesn't care about his stuff. I'm not going to go to that church. You know what? If, if there's people that think that, I'll wash my car this afternoon and I'll get it washed. I'll keep it. I mean, if that's true, I don't think it is. But if you could prove to me that would be true, I would change my value system. Okay? So what I'm telling you here is we all value things at a different level. Now, here's the thing that we learn from this passage is we have, we have two people with very different value statements. Okay? Very, very different value systems. All right? So, so what's happening in this passage? Well, we, we, we have this lady whose name is Mary. Now, how do we know her name is Mary? Well, because Matthew 26 is telling the same story that John 12 is telling. So if you read John 12, you find out another detail. You find out this is Mary. This is the Mary who is Martha and Lazarus' sister, okay? When is this, this meal happening that they're gathered at here in Matthew 26? Well, again, from John chapter 12, we learn that it's happening. We learn this from both accounts in Bethany, okay, which is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live. But we learn from John 12 it's happening Right after Lazarus was raised from the dead. Whenever someone's raised from the dead, you ought to have a party. Ought you, not? you ought to have a meal, right? You ought, you ought to celebrate that. And that's exactly what they did. So John 12 tells us that there's this meal and it's in, in honor of Lazarus having been raised from the dead. Now the meal is at Simon the leper's house. I can't, This is kind of cracks me up. But you got Simon the leper. I, I got to believe he's not a leper still because in Jewish society, you wouldn't have gathered at a, a person who had leprosy. You wouldn't gather at their house. So this guy obviously had leprosy, but he doesn't now. How do you think that happened, huh? How do you think that happened, huh? Gee, I bet you anything, Jesus healed. So you got this dinner with, with Simon the leper who is cleansed by Jesus and Lazarus the dead guy who is raised by Jesus. And so you got the ex-leper and the ex-dead guy and you got the disciples and you got Mary and Martha and, and everybody's family's gathered around, reclining at this table, and there's a there's an entrance, and in walks Mary. Now, Mary, according to John's gospel, okay, it's Mary, and what we know about Mary is 
Mary has a knack for knowing what's important. I want you to see that about Mary. Mary, Mary values the right things, right? We, we argue all day about our video games a waste or are they valuable? Mountain biking, waste or is it valuable? Doing your dishes, washing your car, you know, what, what's valuable? Not? We could argue all day about that, but you can't argue that Mary, Mary really gets what is worthwhile, what is valuable, all right? And, and so, so, so Mary knows she's good at assessing what she ought to give her time to, what she ought to give her attention to, what she ought to give her resources to. And by the way, this is a spiritual ability. There, there's this verse in 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, verse 14, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, that tells us that without the Holy Spirit, you, you're going to not value things as you ought to. Man, I remember this. I remember, I remember before I was a Christian, I did not value things at the, at the right level. Now, look at this verse. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are, you see that word? Folly to him. Right? So it says the person without the Spirit, man, spiritual things are not valuable to him. Man, I, I remember that. You guys remember that before your conversion? I remember thinking about the things of God and thinking those are silly. Those are not valuable. Those are not worth my time. Those are not worth my attention. Okay, keep reading here. Okay, they're folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The New American Standard Bible says spiritually appraised. You guys know what, to, what it is to appraise something, right? And when you buy a house, what do you do? You go get an appraiser, and he looks at it, and he, he tells you it's worth this much, okay? Well, the Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to look at something and say it is worth it, okay? And so Mary is really good at that, all right? Now, I, I can tell you she's really good at it because she does it several times in the Scriptures, okay? We're going to get to Matthew 26. You're like, when are you going to get to the passage? Just hold on, okay? I'm, I'm building my case, all right? So, so there are other places that we see Mary doing this very thing, like, like reading a situation and saying, this is really valuable. One of the places is Luke 10, okay? I'm going to read you a story real quick. Luke 10, 38. Are you ready? As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. We think this is probably one of the first times that Jesus had met Martha and Mary. Verse 30, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. What's Mary doing? She's sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his teaching. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Man, do you see the contrast between these two gals? They're both good gals. Else. But do you see how Martha misread the situation? What's Martha thinking? Martha's thinking we have company. Okay, what's really important when you have company? It's important to feed them. But but even beyond that, man, you got to get the bathroom cleaned, right? And and take that nasty old brown towel out of there and put that nice one with the monogram MMA, Mary Martha and Lazarus, or MML, you know, right right on there. You got to have that in there. You got everything put together. The biscuits got to be just right. The fried chicken's got to be just crispy enough. You know, the potatoes can't have any lumps in them. The kitchen needs to be clean in case Jesus comes in. And Martha's like, all of this is uber important. So important that when Mary is not helping her, she gets ticked off, right? She's mad. And she comes to Jesus. She's like, Jesus, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher. Scold my lazy sister who will not help while I'm trying to get supper ready for us, which is really important. And what's Jesus say? 
He says, Martha, chill out. You missed it. Okay, Mar- Mar- what was Mar- Martha's really putting a high value on. We got to have all the meal. What's Mary putting a high value on? The Son of God is in our house. I'm going to listen to him. I don't want to miss a word. I don't want to miss anything of what he says. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's Mary. Every time he sits down, right at his feet, looking up, soaking in every word. And Jesus says, yeah, Mary. Mary got the good part. Mary figured out what was really valuable, what was really important. Okay? Now, back to our story, Matthew 26. So what's happening at this story? Well, they're all reclining at the table. There's Peter, James, and John, Thomas, Matthew, all the disciples. You got Simon the leper. You got Lazarus, been raised from the dead. Don't you know the conversation was buzzing about Lazarus? Wouldn't it be, huh? You're like, hey, Lazarus, did you see a big light? You know, what was grandma up there? You know, they're all popping these questions. You know, everybody's buzzing around. And all of a sudden, Mary comes in, and she's got, the text says, an alabaster flask of very, verse 7, very expensive ointment. Okay? In John 12, 3, it says a pound, a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard. This was like a perfume that had a medicinal value, okay? A pound of it. Now, you guys know how you put on, uh, on perfume, right? Unless you're an eighth grade boy. If you're an eighth grade boy, you might do it differently, but anybody else, you're just like, like a little bit, right? Like that, all right? Mary comes in with this, with this alabaster, a pound of pure nard, okay? Now, how much was this worth? Well, if you go into John 12, it tells us, John 12, 5 says, it was worth 300 denarii. That would have been a year's wages for a working man, all right? So let's just imagine 25, 30, 35, $40,000, something in that nature is how much this is worth. Okay, now, how would Mary have gotten that amount of, of value? How would she have gotten that? She's a lady living with her sister and her brother. This was probably her inheritance. The People in these days didn't have, they didn't put their money in banks. They, they normally would buy something like this. They would invest in something like this and this would be their retirement this would be her life savings mary walks in with her life savings mary walks in with 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 everything she has essentially and she breaks the flask and she pours it out and in a matter of seconds her retirement is gone now do you see why the disciples responded like they did i'll just be honest if you come to me and you say hey pastor cleaned out my bank account the other day, withdrew all the money out of my checking and savings, and then I went up to Edward Jones and got a retirement account there, and I, I liquidated it, got all the money, got the cash. I took it to a dinner party, and I spent it. What, what would you say? Why did you do that? Right? Like, that was not smart. Like, uh, and then the, my next question would be, well, well, okay, what did you spend it on? Like, I'm hoping that, like, there was a realtor there and you, you bought a bunch of rent houses. Or I'm hoping there was a businessman there and you bought a business. Or I'm, I'm hoping there was a, a, a trader guy there and you bought a bunch of stocks. I'm, I'm like, what did you get? You, you spent it, but what, what did you get? And if they say, well, I bought perfume and I poured it out on somebody and it's, it's there and soaking into the carpet at their house. See, we want to be hard on the disciples, but you would be thinking the same thing, wouldn't you? What a waste. What a waste. Why'd you do that? In fact, the disciples said, if you were going to do it, why didn't you sell it? We could have given it to the poor. 
You know how Jesus talked about the poor. I mean, were you here last week in our sermon? How, how it says everybody who's a born-again believer, man, you're going you're gonna to feed the hungry and, and give drink to the thirsty and, and, and visit the, the, the prison. That's out. Like we're, Jesus was all about meeting needs. Well, Mary, why didn't you sell this? Look at all we could have done. We, we, we could have we bought a homeless shelter. We could have paid electric bills. We could have given medical care. We, we could have done all kinds of stuff. But Mary, you poured it all out, and now it's gone. Now it's wasted. Okay, but, but Jesus had a different assessment, okay? So everybody, everybody else said, waste, okay? But Jesus says, no, no, no. Did you guys just see what Mary did? Mary made a great investment. Okay, now, now how, how is it a great investment, Jesus? How, why, why, was that, why was that at verse 10? Why was that a beautiful thing? You know, all the disciples said, you know what, Mary, you just wasted. You just wasted your retirement account. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, Mary, what you just done, man, that's going to last forever. You see, in verse 13, he says, wherever the gospel is preached around the world, People are going to talk about what you did. It's going to impact lives, Mary. What you did is going to change people for thousands of years. Man, how different a view is that? You got 12 guys saying, that was this dumb thing. That was You wasted it. You got one guy saying, man, what you just did is going to change the world, Mary. Very different views on that, isn't there? Why would Jesus say this was so valuable, this was so important, this was so impactful? Let me give you a couple reasons why. Number one, it was timely, okay? Mary had a knack for reading the importance of the moment. Jesus has been telling his disciples that he was going to die, that he's going to be crucified. He's been telling them that for, what, 10 chapters now? You guys have been with me through Matthew. How many times has he said that over and over again? He's told this up. And how many times did they not get it? Guess what? Somebody got it. Isn't that cool? Who got it? Peter? Nope. Who got it? James? Nope. Who got it? John? Nope. Mary. Mary got it. Mary knows Jesus is about to be crucified. Somehow Mary, Mary sees the moment to realize that Jesus is about to die for the sins of the, of the world. She realizes Jesus is about to do the most significant thing in all of time. She realizes Jesus is about to pay the penalty for my sins and your sins to, be, to make us justified, to bring us into an eternal heaven. She, she realizes that. She realizes he's gonna die, he's gonna be crucified, he's gonna be buried. And he's not gonna be, he's not gonna be taken care of. They didn't have time. Do you remember that? They just, they had to wrap him and put him in a tomb. And later the women came after the Sabbath with the spices because they didn't have time beforehand. But Mary knew that was coming. And so she, she seized the moment to honor Jesus, to treat Jesus like the king that he was. I've read commentaries that said she didn't even realize what she was doing. Well, that makes it even more awesome. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if she just had a prompting of the Holy Spirit, hey, you need to give your life savings here to anoint Jesus with this ointment, and she followed that with that. I mean, that's even more awesome. But either way, Mary was in tune to what was going on. She was in tune to what was happening. Everybody else was just thinking about Lazarus. They were all celebrating. They were all thinking, wow, Jesus is going to be. And Mary, Mary gets that. He's going to die. Man, I, you, 
I want this. Do you guys want this? Like, I want, I want the ability to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that I seize a moment. I see the value of a moment, and I do whatever I can to honor Jesus in that moment. I've told you the story many times of one of my, one of the things that, I'll probably, it'll, I'll probably never be okay with it. Like, it'll probably come up in my mind for the rest of my life. I, I believe that because it has for the last 17, 18 years. I was at Woodward Hospital. I'd gotten a call. There was a woman there in great distress. I'd, I'd shared the gospel with her before. Um, we'd been ministering to her. I thought she was healthy. Evidently, she wasn't. She's in the ER bay. Uh, they call me back in there. This lady's asking for you. She's really adamant. She is not doing well. I get there. She starts to, to get worse. We are swamped by nurses, doctors, ER doctor. I would have been out of there except she had me by the shirt. She had me by the shirt. She's grabbing me. I want you to picture nurses are reaching around me, literally. They're, 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 getting, they're taking off her blouse, and they're putting the patches on her chest. And she's in physical distress, and she has me. And she says, pray for me. Pray for me. Am I okay? Am I safe? Pray for me. And again, we'd, we'd, I talked to her about the gospel. And in that moment, I'll just tell you what I thought. I thought, we'll talk about this later. They, they need to work on you. And I felt really awkward about even being there. I mean, like medical professionals, are, I'm in the way. But she's got a hold of me. And I assured her, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you now. I'm praying for you. And kind of got her hand away. And it wasn't but a couple hours later, I was back in a room. And she had never come to consciousness again. And we, we literally watched that line go. And I knew I, I didn't have that opportunity. Man, I, I, I want to be the kind of guy. I want to be like Mary. Everybody else at the dinner, they're just jabbering away, asking layers. Mary knows this is our last time with Jesus, guys. He's about to die for our sins. I'm pouring out all I've got on him. I had another experience with my family. And I won't, I won't tell you the story there because it's, it deals with my family, but I had an opportunity, and I'll just be honest, I was tired. It was the end of the day, and I just let that dude slip away, and I have never got it back, even though I've, I've aggressively pursued it. And I want to be one of those people that, like, that's, that's, the, that's the thing about Mary. Like, she sees this open door, she pours it all. <laughs> Number one, it's timely. Number two, it was sacrificial. Man, she's not giving the Lord a leftover. She's not giving a half-hearted effort. She, it cost her everything. Like, the rest of her life, like, if you give away your retirement account, guess what? You don't have it, do you? Like, like it changes your it changed your life. But but here's here's the deal. Mary says with her actions, you are worth it, Jesus. It's so easy to say that with our mouths. I could, I could, we could all say it together, couldn't we? I could say, all right, guys, let's all say, Jesus, you're worth everything. You're our greatest treasure. We could all say that with our mouths. You know what's much harder to do? What, what's much harder to do is to say that with your life. 
to live in such a way, to spend your time in such a way, to spend your money in such a way, to spend your life in such a way that says, Jesus, you are worth it. No matter the hardship I must endure, no matter the difficulty, no, no matter any of that, I'm willing because you are worth it. Folks, we got to be really careful about living in such a way that honestly our life says, Jesus, you're not worth very much. Like it's really possible to say with your mouth, Jesus, you're worth it. And yet with your time, well, Jesus, I've got this going or that going, or I'm tired or I'm sleepy or I'm this or I'm that. Nah. It's easy to say, Jesus, you're not very valuable. Number one, it was timely. Number two, it was sacrificial. Number three, it was lavish. That's my favorite part of this. You know what I, you know what I would have been tempted to do? Hey, Jesus, I, I'm going to give you, here you go, this, this thing's worth 30000 here. Let's see if we can pop this cap enough. I don't know that you could do that, actually. Let's it give you a little bit, maybe even a third of it. That's 10000 bucks. That's pretty good. Mary dumps the whole thing. Why would you dump the whole thing? Pastor Dan's been going through the book of Ephesians, and uh, so he's been challenging me to memorize, so I've been... I'm actually in it in several of my DT groups, and there's this verse in chapter 1, right after, right, right in the middle of Paul telling us how, how we've been chosen and predestined and redeemed and forgiven and adopted and all these beautiful phrases of what God has done. And, and it says in verse 7 and 8, And we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. How has God loved you? God has loved you lavishly. Has he not? If you read the book of Ephesians, God, God doesn't just say, I'm going to save you, and I'll let you in the door. You can put a tent in the backyard. No, that's not what he does, is it? He says, I'm going to, I'm going to join you to my son. You're going to be an heir of the kingdom. I'm, I'm going to give you an inheritance. You're actually going to be a co-heir with Jesus. Ephesians 2 says, I'm going to seat you in the heavenly places with Christ. Who deserves that in this room? Not me. God is so lavish with us. Let, let me ask you this question. Are you anywhere close to being lavish with him? Yet, you ever go over the top? That ever happened? Have you ever went over the top? Have, have you ever just got carried away? Have you ever been out singing, you know, just praising Jesus and the person next to you has got to kind of, hey, you're getting carried away. Bring it down. That happened very often, Bonnie. You get people out there, hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. How about in your serving? You, you, ever, you ever in your serving, someone's got to call you back. You're like, hey, man, you can't, you can't go all out like that. You're going to wear yourself out. You ever get carried away? I'm afraid we don't. I'm afraid we don't. Mary did. Man, Jesus, it's the last time I'm going to be with you. You're going to die for our sins. You got everything I got. I'm giving it all. That's beautiful, isn't it? Well, how does Jesus respond to the guys criticizing Mary? You know what's really cool? In Luke 10, who criticizes her? Her sister, right? In Matthew 26, it's all the disciples laying on to her. You could have sold that. We could have given that to the poor. We could have built all. You know, they're all, they're all right at her. In neither of those passages does Mary defend herself. Isn't that beautiful? 
And I'd have been like, hey, what are you, what are you talking about, Peter? You're going to deny him, you know? No. In both those passages, Jesus defends her. And here's what Jesus says. He says, he says hey, hey, stop criticizing Mary. This is a beautiful thing that she's done. He, sa- he says this. He goes, you have the poor with you always, but you don't always have me. See, Mary, Mary, Mary knows this is it. This is the pivotal moment in history. What this, what this lady's done is going to be known forever. You, you know what this tells me? It tells me that Martha and disciples, really good folks, cream of the crop. You know what? It's easy for good people to miss important things. Did you hear that? It's easy for good people like Martha, good people like Peter, James, John, Thomas, Matthew. It's good people for, it's really easy for good people to miss really important things. It's really easy for us to forget our purpose. What what is your purpose? Let me remind you of that. There's a great catechism question that goes like this. What's the chief end of man? In other words, why are you here? What, What are you made for? And the answer to that question is, you are made to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You're made to be a worshiper. Man, there is nobody who is a better picture of a worshiper than Mary. You see, Here's what the Bible says. You are made to delight in God. You are made to enjoy Him. You are made to cherish Him. You are made to praise Him. You are made to be a worshiper. And when you are a worshiper, when you, when you do delight, in, in, when, you, when you say with your life, Jesus, you are worth it, guess what? All that other stuff will happen. I mean, you'll have fuel in the tank to care for the poor and all, all the stuff, all the stuff that you want to do. What an incredibly contrasting picture between Mary and Judas. You you notice the next verse? Matthew put this together. Holy Spirit put this together. Look at verse 14. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. And he said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Those passages are right together. You, you, you go from Mary, who says, Jesus, you are worth everything I've got, and dumps out her life savings to anoint him for his burial, to prepare him for the cross. You've got Judas, who says, man, you've been a great disappointment, Jesus. I really thought we were going to be ruling the country by now. I'm super disappointed that I don't have what I thought I was going to have. I'm going to sell you for 30 pieces of silver. You've got one person that says with your, their life, Jesus, you're worth everything. You've got another person that says, Jesus, you're not worth anything. I'll tell you guys, I'm deeply ashamed of the years of my life that were lived saying very clearly, you're not worth anything. I never, ever said that with my mouth, but I said it with my life. I said it with what I sought after, what I pursued, what I loved what I cherished. And I want you to ask the question this morning. You got Judas, you got Mary. Which life was a waste? What does Jesus say of Mary? He says of Mary, what you just did will never be forgotten. Everywhere the gospel preached, around the world, and by the way, we are around the world from where Jesus was, and it's 2,000 and some years later, and we're talking about Mary. What about Judas? Look at the next passage. Next chapter, Matthew 27. 
Verse 3, when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind, and he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what's that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. I'll let you decide which one's a wasted life. You can be Judas and you can spend your life trying to honor yourself, trying to use people to bring honor to yourself. Or you can spend your life like Mary, saying, Jesus, you're worth all of my life. One is a waste, and the other leads to glory. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for, God, I thank you for this passage. I thank you, Father, for the scriptures. God, I thank you for for the example of Mary. God, I want to love you like Mary loves you. God, I want to cherish you. I want to see your worth, your value. God, I want to pour out my life. God, I want that to be in me. Father, I pray that you would just move in in our lives, God, to, to produce a great cherishing and treasuring and loving of your son. Father, give us that in Jesus' name.